This is gonna be fucking fun. in the hole with major league a-holes presented by revolution brewing episode 109 i think i'm going to title this one halfway to hell because the five teams we cover at major league a-holes are a combined 57 games below 500 with the sole remaining team above 500 your san francisco giants barely hanging on to that the 41 and 40 record now. living on a prayer yeah, I think we will soon be all below 500, unprecedented in Major League A-Hole's history. Uh, wow. Yeah, this has been a, r- yeah. a rough year. It's It's been a, it's not a long history, but yikes. We've had some world champions in this, in our history, which is amazing. So yeah, to, to see all five of our teams so bad or so mediocre at best, kind of unprecedented, but. Especially got- when expectations were varied. Mm-hmm got tons of tigers news i want to talk about it goes into some cubs things i need to talk about you've got some gigantism over there i'm gonna talk about my fucking a's finally it's been a while but they've got some things i want to talk about we've got some shit you couldn't make up we've got the return of male fraud and aesthetics and uh, we've got a little commercial at the end of this for commercial so to speak for our presenting sponsor uh, an event that revolution is holding that you're gonna yet and you can tell everybody about so let's go ahead and jump into the news now here's the news it's the news the big news oh fuck scotty that is good news that is great news man let's bring it all home as major league baseball presents this week in baseball the biggest news that just broke this morning uh probably about an hour ago um miguel cabrera is going to be a American League All-Star. I don't know if you even heard this. I did. It's already on the Sox type thing thread. Oh, I missed it. Hour Sorry. and a half ago or whatever <laughs> when it broke. So thanks for the update, though. Yeah. Well, apparently, I need to follow Sox type thing a little more closely. You, you, really might have noticed in my, you might have noticed in my intro, uh, I did not mention the White Sox. That's because we have our own White Sox podcast. If you haven't heard uh, Sox type thing, which we released episode five late last night, early this morning. So check that out for all your White Sox news. Uh, so yeah, I'm real p- proud of Miggy. It's this, I think it's brand new with this new CBA where the commissioner can now vote in one player into the All-Star game per league. Um, really, I mean, it just emphasizes that this is just a marketing event, uh, popularity contest. I don't, Miguel was not going to get in, obviously. It's uh, not, not the best. Uh, designated hitter in the American League, but uh, he he deserves a spot, and I think it's really cool. Actually, he's, he is he's not a disaster by any means. He's no, nope. uh, he's batting three oh eight. You know, batting average. Say what you will about it, but it, it means something at least. He's he has the eighth bet, best batting average in the American League, so he's not a liability. He is among the Tigers' best hitters actually this season. So, of course, he crested the three thousand hit plateau. He's up to like 367 or something now. I I was happy to be there for the his 3000th hit back in April, so which was a great honor. 
He also is part of the 500 home run club and the 600 double club. So I think it was an obvious, obvious choice by, and a wise decision uh, from Rob Manfred, who rarely makes wise decisions. So Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I was on board with you. I thought there had to be some way for him to get there. Um, it's cool. It's him and Pujols are what are they calling legacy picks or something along that line? Am I saying yeah. that right? And that might Le- be what they do every year. It's a legacy, I, or maybe I, it just worked out this year. I don't know. I think they should. I think this is should cool. be a new, like you said, it's it it's should be exhibition. a fe- it's an exhibition. It should be a feel good event. It should be fun. Yeah, you know, nothing wrong with the guys out there trying to win or whatever, but like overall, it should be fun. There, it shouldn't be any sort of <laughs> real undue stress at all during this game. Should be a big marking event, as you already said, for Major League Baseball. Also, I'd like to let everyone know if my voice sounds a little bit haggard today yeah. uh, during the podcast. Um, I was at a Bob Mould show last night at Telia Hall. And screaming your fucking head off. Screaming my head off. So uh, I'm a sound a little rough, but it's not that I'm rough. I, I feel fine. I feel great. I feel like a $10 billion. You look but, a little rough. My voice, I just always look this way, Smitty. Sorry you don't like my face. <laughs> so, I mean, it's true. So, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> this is wanted to point that out. Uh, you know, the intro, I felt when I tried to drive into the intro of the show, <laughs> it just wasn't there. So, it's all right. We'll, we'll get through this. Yes. Yeah, so, anyway, that's that. Well, the next thing I need to talk about with my Tigers is the triumphant return of Javi Baez to the city of Chicago last evening. As, uh, as my Detroit Tigers took care of your Chicago White Sox 2-1. in a, a real thriller, yeah. It was a barn burner. Uh, Tigers, that is their fifth win in a row as they swept the Cleveland Guardians earlier this week. Uh, last night's game... I get. I was not predicting that that type of game at all. Uh, considering Dylan Cease previously was undefeated in his career against the Tigers, uh, uh, he could have gone to eleven and zero, setting the record. But alas, he is only now ten and one against my Tigers. So it wasn't his fault by any means. It was the lack of offense that your White Sox uh, uh, displayed. Even though we thought maybe after the previous evening's game kind of lit the fuse for your offense to finally hit the ball at the ballpark, did not happen because Tigers phenom Bo Brisky shut you down. AKA uh, Cy Brisky. <laughs> yeah, you love that. Cy Brisky, Cy whatever. Cy Chen, I think is the first time I remember yes. you know, bringing that up. With well, that's Bruce started, Chen from the that, Royals way back when. Oh my God, that dude <laughs> could have a five and a half ERA and he would no hit the White Sox pretty much for six <laughs> innings. Cy it was Chen. unbelievable. Well, Brisky had six and a third innings of two hit ball. He had a no hitter going into the fifth i think uh, yeah as soon i didn't as I realize it was happening i he gave up a base hit so i blame oh. myself for well there realizing. you go jinx yeah uh he only gave up the he gave up zero runs actually the only run the tigers gave up was in the ninth inning which i i forgot i don't know if you realize this uh i was texting you throughout the game not completely forgetting it you're at that bob mold concert but I, but you po- you were posting stuff on Twitter during the game, so uh, maybe that's only, what only at the me, very but... beginning because I was okay. just at the bar at that point. So 
well, uh, of course, Gregory Soto comes on, and I predicted immediately that he would put two two at least two batters on on base, which he did immediately and gave up a run. Fortunately, he was able to get the last two outs. But the big story, of course, was Javi Baez. And oh yeah, his first at bat. That's that's what threw me off because you posted about his first at bat where Javi was definitely being Javi. I think it was just three pitches, three bad pitches, three three swings two, and misses. Two, two out of the zone, badly. Yeah. Two sliders, badly out of the zone. That is definitely Javi being Javi. Also, Javi being Javi in his next at bat, had a ball out of the zone, out of the ballpark, which is just that is in two at bats completely describes Javi Baez. Bad ball swinger, whether he connects or not, it's either a strikeout or a home run. It seems like so. I of course mocked your post. Javi being Javi and sh- with a video of the ball going out of the ball. Yeah, park. I saw that this morning. <laughs> Not well a bad done. pitch. Not well a bad done. pitch by. Yeah. What? It wasn't a great pitch though, because it would have been called a strike had he not mm. swung at it. I Boy, think it was it pretty to, low. I thought it was uh, really low. According to pitch tracks, it was it was in the zone. In the zone? So, okay. Yeah. So not that that means it was right, but I'm just saying right. I, maybe the ump wouldn't have called it a strike. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, uh, I think I think it, it got a little bit too much of the of the plate, probably. And you know, that's the what that's for the most part about Javi over his career. We can all say that he does normally make a pitcher pay for making a mistake. And uh, whether that was a mistake or not, like you said, it was a it was it was low. It was in the lower part of the zone, but I would not call that a bad pitch by any means. Yeah. It just it's so. just you know how he's gonna swing and if he connects, it's it's going a long ways and he did. So I mean it looked like that was all the when I when I was looking at the box or it looked like that was all the tigers were gonna need and until my watch went off and suddenly it was a two one ball game. Yeah. That's Gregory Soto, uh, who's among the the best closers in all of baseball. But if you watch statistically at least, but if you watch his games, it's like every closer I can think of in Tigers history over the last 20 years just is a, a fucking roller coaster, a heart attack waiting to happen where his stuff is incredible, but he has no idea where the ball's gone. He, his command right. is not there and he can walk the bases loaded. He can, you know, have to finally get into the zone and give up, give up hard contact. It's just a, it, you never know what you're going to get. And, but more often than not, he gets out of it, which is, it's nice that he gets out of it, but it is a fucking, fucking roller coaster. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the Tigers get off to a good start in this series. I, you know, we've got Julito going tonight for you guys, I believe. Yeah, um, against Scoobs. Yeah, uh, I think Julito's last outing was pretty good, but he had been struggling before that. Two Scoob. good outings in a row. Oh, is it two Smitty, now? Smitty, do not okay. sell him short. Were you not listening to me at all during the podcast yesterday? You just answered your own question. <laughs> so no. Scooble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scooble uh, has had four bad outings kind of inexplicably as he was. I was going to put him in the fucking all-star game at one point when he had. You a, were. He had a 2.15 ERA. I, I would agree. I mean, I would have disagreed with you. <laughs> yeah. I've gone to shit since I brought that up. So again, I blame myself. You're a mess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, considering the the Tigers, you know, came off a, a lost series at home to the Kansas City Royals this past weekend. This is kind of an un- unexpected week, you know, winning five in a row now, even on the road in what's typically a house of horrors for us in Chicago. Uh, but 
the the lone bright spot over the weekend, at least in a two one series loss to the Royals, was Riley Green got his first home run of his career. Uh, ended up being a walk off home run, four hundred thirty two foot footer into the bushes on Saturday. Uh, an incredible moment. He uh, he's the seventh Tiger in history to have their first home run be a walk off home run. The last one to do it, Sweet Lou Whitaker. So I always, anytime I can bring up Sweet Lou, I will on this podcast. Uh, no matter how, no matter how far I have to dig to get to get a stat out there, but so super cool for Riley. Uh, he actually scored three of their four runs in that game. He had a triple earlier uh, that would have been a, a home run in twenty-two other ballparks, except for Comerica Park is the cavernous zone that it is. But seeing him hit the, the walk-off into the bushes, straightaway center field, that is a monster blast. You don't see many many balls get hit no, into that's, the shrubbery. That's, that's a bomb. Yeah, he started his career. <clears throat> I think it ended either last night or the game before. Uh, he had been on base in his first at least 16 games of his career. Uh, I don't know if that got to 17. It did not get to 18. I know that. But... I'm, gl- I'm glad you started to clarify that. I thought you were sending his career ended last night, the other night. I, was like, <laughs> I wow. hope his career did not end last night. <laughs> Holy uh, cow, that was quick. His on-base streak ended last night. I think that's your breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's a that's a cool thing with, with Riley there. I'm calling him the green machine. Uh, I'm going to try and get that hashtag going. <laughs> Dude, if you're... Did you have a green machine when you were a kid? Do you know? What that I is? certainly did. It was you did. the best. It was, it, it made the big wheel look like just flat up garbage. I'm glad you brought up the big wheel. Uh, I had a green machine before I had a big wheel. I actually had a green machine before I was big enough to actually use it. My, I remember my dad like strapped some wooden blocks to the pedal so I could actually reach the pedals. I don't know why I had a green machine at that point instead of a big wheel, but. I mentioned this last night on uh, on socks type thing, and you didn't even ask a question. It's a bizarre thing. I was we were talking about 1979, and the only thing I could remember about 1979 is I won the Capital City Big Wheel Rodeo, and you didn't even acknowledge that weird statement. I was (laughs) like, right on. Yeah. Okay. Great. I did win that in 1979 without owning a big wheel. I had to borrow other kids' big wheels to compete in the events where the different slalom, there's a closed course, time trials, all sorts of stuff. And I dominated the event. Won, won the 1979. I think I still have the trophy somewhere. But um, the grand, the best part about the grand prize was a big wheel. So I eventually <laughs> had my own big wheel and I retired the green machine. So. That's why I'm gonna, but I still, I still have an affinity for the Green Machine. Uh, I think it's a perfect nickname for him. I haven't heard anyone, uh, anyone else use it for Riley. So we're gonna get that going. So help me out there. Yeah, just yeah, because it'll it'll work because it's an E at the end of Green. So That's we right. don't have to we don't have to worry about because isn't didn't uh, did your Spartans use Green Machine at all as a hashtag? I'm sure they have, but yeah, there would not be <clears> an e, there would not be an e in there, so, yeah, or the third e at least. So, <laughs> but uh, I digress. <laughs> uh, amongst the other big news for the Tigers this week was uh, not only our owner but also our general manager both sticking their foots in their mouths. Uh, is that feet in mouths? I don't know how uh. you do that, but. Chris Illich came out uh, 
during actually a Red Wings press conference where they're announcing their brand new head coach and who's asked about his thoughts about the progress of the Red Wings rebuild, which is, uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes, but he felt compelled to talk about the Tigers rebuild as well and said he it's was over, very, right? yeah, beyond, beyond the preseason proclamation that it was over. Uh, he said he is very pleased with the progress the Tigers rebuild is having <laughs> this year. Uh, now we're 12 games below 500, even with this five game winning streak. Um, it's a shit show. And somehow the, the owner has no idea and has full confidence in Al Vila. He, he even mentioned Al Vila's resume as Ooh. being part of a world championship club referencing 1997, uh, just completely sounding out of touch, uh, kind of igniting the fan base saying, you know, what are you doing? How can you be pleased with this? How, with the, you know, this disaster of a season that was supposed to be the building of, you know, something approaching a playoff team. Well, Al Avila this week felt compelled to uh, have hold court uh, in front of the media, kind of addressing that where he basically said the complete opposite, where he is very angry now with the, the progress of this rebuild, which sounds in touch with, with the fan base as we all are he has failed in, in so many different regards you can go back i believe it was episode 107 where i uh go on my entire diatribe with a litany of failures that require al Avila to be fired at this point al Avila essentially blamed everyone in the organization for their failures his you 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 and you he blamed the players. He blamed himself, of course, but he also, I don't think he specifically blamed ownership, but uh, Not yet. he blamed everyone. He said everyone is at fault, which is a bizarre way to, def to deflect uh, how much consternation and how much angst there is against him still being the general manager and the general manager going forward, the general manager that's going to be conducting the draft coming up here shortly who's going to be in charge of any trades they make here at the, at the trade deadline in three weeks. So it won't be his fault. Yeah. It's blame everybody. Uh, it was just a bizarre, a bizarre moment. Uh, like I said, both Illich and Avila should just should not be talking at this point. Uh, a couple other things Al addressed though, included. This is something you can blame him for. The bizarre continued absence of eduardo rodriguez uh i'm calling this segment where's wardo nobody knows uh it you know it came out a couple what was it three weeks ago that after a, a pretty good looking uh rehab start eduardo rodriguez was leaving the club for an indeterminate amount of time for personal reasons and has subsequently been placed on the restricted list which means he is not getting paid by the tigers which i guess is a a silver lining uh his five-year 77 million dollar contract is not costing the the tigers as much right now because he is refusing to play he's refusing to even speak with the organization al revealed that they have had zero contact from eduardo uh they have reached out to him and have had had no response so essentially he's ghosted the tigers organization which is just a bizarre thing uh you know it's been it's been reported i think it was the new york post officially reported it is a marital issue uh he is apparently he is the tigers at least know he is safe he is okay he is in florida with his children 
but he's dealing with this personal issue. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it was almost like you have to do a well-being check on him if they didn't know that part. Like, is he even alive? What what is happening here? The athletic has even reached out to his agent and received no reply from the agent, even, which is another bizarre layer to this because you'd think you know the agent's job is to at least you know, respond to media inquiries, like what's going on, you know, he is, or just have some blanket statement saying he's okay. He's just dealing with a personal matter, but they won't even return, return the athletics phone calls. So I don't know what's going on. I, you know, other than the, you know, the obvious, the marital issue, that's a personal matter, but why he can't even just have a, send a text message. I'm cool. I'm working on this. I'll get back to you as soon as I'm, I'm good. But Seems like there's more to this. And reporters actually asked Alavila if they if the Tigers have considered voiding his contract. And he would not answer the question, which means to me they are considering that at this point, which would I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's you know, it's not the end of the world if they had to do that. They would be off the hook for that money in those years. It would be unfortunate because I think he was a, a promising pitcher. I think he was going to fit into the organization quite well and add, add to our pitching depth. But Tigers aren't in a horrible spot in this, I guess, um, just because they they can void that. And right now he's not even being paid. It's just a, a frustrating situation that I don't know. I don't know how or when it's going to possibly end. Hmm. I mean, since they're not paying him now and – you're not playoff bound. Like, I don't see why you'd rush to void the contract at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't. And that's why he's not <clears> making <throat> any comments. Yeah, they don't have to do anything. That, that That's why the Tigers are in a good spot. They're, they've called up like 12 different pitchers to fill in starting roles this season. Right. So they, they'll just continue to do that. And, and since it is a lost season already, you know, what does it matter? So they, they have time is on their side, I guess, but. You gotta, you gotta wonder, you know, and you know, marital issues are awful, and I, I, I can understand. Maybe it's something he can just come back next year from. You know, maybe it's just gonna take months, if not, if not more, to to deal with. So, who knows? It'd just be a shocking way to end a career if that's how, it, that's how it plays out. Uh, another, at least, connection to the Tigers that's actually gonna going to transition me over to my Cubs section of the show, but it's Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa was in Chicago this week playing your Chicago White Sox um, twins. And he uh, of course was marauded by Chicago reporters asked, trying to find out why he was not a Chicago Cub, how he could possibly decide to sign the deal he did with the twins, which just came out of left field that, no one was prepared for. And he flatly stated he was not interested in going to a rebuilding club. And the Cubs wait, were obviously... Wait, wait, that... wait, wait, wait. Did someone <laughs> let him know it's not a rebuild? Yeah, yeah. That, and that's exactly why Jed Hoyer's avoiding the word rebuild uh, like the plague. But, uh, you know, reality, reality hurts. I mean, it's obvious to everyone that the Cubs are in a rebuild. It's obvious to everyone that the, the Tigers may have been a little bit, it seeming seemed like they were a little bit further along in their rebuild, but he considered both those teams in re uh, in the midst of a rebuild, and he was not interested in going there. Hmm. 
what that leads to is, you know, what are his feelings going to be after this season? Uh, could those teams be uh, a little closer to being past their rebuild, turning the corner as we thought the Tigers were famously? Um, will his feelings change as it, it seems like the, the Cubs and the Tigers were two amongst the two uh, biggest suitors for his services in the offseason. Of course, the famous romantic brunch held between A.J. Hinch and Correa. Yeah. Oft referenced. Uh, the Cubs reports of the Cubs and Correa were fairly close on a deal even. Uh, it was reported to be seven a seven-year deal, but he opted for the unprecedented three-year deal with uh, a player option to take off after each of the year with the twins. So he's got that option. Once again, uh, he can go anywhere he wants after the season. So it leads to speculation that the Tigers might be to his liking again, possibly, or the Cubs might be back in the mix, depending on how, how he feels about the state of their rebuilds. But enough to mention, uh, obviously I'm obsessed with Carlos Correa. (laughs) Obviously (laughs) like you're reaching right now. So He's a he's a he would be a difference maker for the Cubs for sure. Uh, that is that is the piece that I thought they were going to complete their their offseason maneuvers with this past offseason. With the additions of, say, a Suzuki and others, uh, it just made sense for them to go all in and get the shortstop that they needed. And they didn't do it for whatever reason or they were unable to. So that's going to be a, a large topic again. Buckle up. I'm going to bring this up a lot over the offseason. So your eyes are glazing over already. So <laughs> I'll get into uh, some other Cubs news. Uh, they have actually won their last four series, which is kind of amazing um, against a lot of playoff team or potential playoff teams. Uh, the last one being of course, against the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee. Uh, Cubs actually got to Josh Hader twice in this series. They scoring runs in the ninth inning off him, which is unprecedented feels like. Well, a lot of that came from Seiya Suzuki and his return. He had a inside the park home run, which I saw seen. that. That was oh. I was screaming my head off as the ball hit off those run, run. They're fucked up walls <laughs> in center field. They have like yeah, forty five degree angles. Boy, did that take a ricochet! I mean, yeah, like was... you just see the you see the the player running one way and the ball going <laughs> the other direction, running and running and running. <laughs> Suzuki had another uh, traditional home run over the fence in that series. Uh, it's good to see him back and, and swinging the bat. Um, prior to the Milwaukee series, the Cubs took care of the Boston Red Sox at Wrigley. The Bo Sox. Yeah, which is doesn't happen often. Two of the uh, they two teams that play in the oldest teams, oldest stadiums in Major League Baseball. And, of course, that became a topic as – Red Sox pitcher Josh Winkowski, or I think it's Winkowski, something like that, uh, kind of trash talked Wrigley Field out of the blue. Um, after, of course, mind you, this is after he just lost the game uh, to the Cubs. He might have been a little sour, but he referred to Wrigley Field as kind of a standard stock ballpark, nothing special. He was underwhelmed. It was his first visit, apparently, to Wrigley, but of course, the inevitable comparisons between Wrigley and Fenway come up because they were built around the same time and they're the only two ancient, ancient ballparks. But 
I think uh, I kind of want to call Josh Winkowski more like Josh Luzkowski because he was sounded just very, very sour grapes after his loss. Wrigley doesn't have to be your favorite ballpark, but to call it a standard stock experience, it just, that's just not the truth. It, it, there are no other ballparks other than Fenway that are, are located in a neighborhood. Uh, personally, I, I find Wrigley beautiful. Uh, the amenities are now up to, up to speed after the billion dollar renovation. You've been to Wrigley. I know begrudgingly you think it's a decent ballpark. Uh, would you consider it stock or standard the way Josh Winkowski described it? Uh, no, not from like, uh, like how close you are to the field. I don't think a lot of parks are really like that anymore. Um, and, 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 and that's not, and that's from majority of the seats is, is where the difference is. Like I can go sit, we can go sit along the, the front row at, at a White Sox game and you're very close. But mm-hmm. then when you're in like row 30, you're, you're, you're much further away because of how the park is built where Shallow. everything at Wrigley, you're just more on, on top of it. Yeah. Comerica but, Park's the same way. It's real shallow. So if you're in yeah. the 25th row, you are way <clears> back. So, um, the other thing I would say is like, I wonder if he had visited if he had been there before the renovations. Cause I wonder if it's like the jumbotron out there now and yeah, those I, things that, that lead him to the comment. I, but I, I wouldn't, I mean, I've never been to Fenway, but I don't hear a lot of positive reviews of it when people from chicago go there because that was my next question the, the you haven't are, been, I, I been to Fenway? Seats, I hear, i've heard from you i've heard from other people the seats are terrible like they're yeah. super small um i heard yeah. there's a lot of bad vantage points but like being a player on the field and maybe looking around you might say to yourself well what's you know i don't get what the big deal is but from a fan's point of view from someone who's sitting in the seats it's definitely like worth a visit if you've never gone there. Well, I've been to Fenway twice, uh, once in 2001, uh, as Mike Messina actually had a no hitter going against the Red Sox in the bottom two outs in the ninth and Red Sox, Carl Everett broke up that no hitter and he got booed by the home Red Sox crowd, which was kind of amazing. Carl Everett is kind of a bizarre dude in many ways, but, I couldn't believe I was actually hearing Red Sox fans being upset about a uh, Yankee pitcher uh, having so much success against them. But um, that was the first time I was there. I was also there in 2010. And that was apparently after some renovations had happened. Uh, apparently not all, but I've, I've heard the same things even subsequently uh, in the 10, 12 years since I've been there. But when I was there, I thought it was a dump. It, it was the concourses were cavernous you know, very dark, dank, uh, you know, a lot of what you see in, uh, the heist section, uh, when they're robbing Fenway park in the town, one of your favorite movies where they're in the bowels of, of Fenway. That's that, that's what it is. I mean, that, that is, that's what you see when you go, go to get a, a burger or a beer at a, at a Red Sox game. It is, it is dark down there. And it's, I didn't see many, uh, shootouts or anything like that between fake cops and real cops and everything else, but maybe, um, the seats are awful. The seats are at least that I sat in in 2010, even were down the first baseline about 
maybe 10 inches wide. I fit okay, but my buddies are that I was with were a little bit larger and couldn't even fit in their seats. Yikes. Um, they also don't face home plate. They are basically 90 degrees from home plate. They're, they're perpendicular to the, the first baseline. So I was facing directly at the green monster and had to turn 45 degrees to see home plate. It, they were beat up wood. Uh, you could get slivers from them. It was it was a disaster. And this is supposed to be a crown jewel ballpark that everyone thinks is the greatest. I, you know, besides the ridiculous dimensions and everything else that I've railed on for years, I I'm just not a fan of Fenway. Um, and I think anytime, especially somebody from Boston, will rip on Wrigley, I will gladly defend Wrigley Field from those Cretans. <laughs> Uh, I think that is all I can talk about with the Cubs. Um, they are now in Los Angeles. Uh, they lost last night, not surprisingly. So I believe that four, four series winning streak will come to an end in Los Angeles. I uh, don't have a whole lot of, whole lot of faith there, but we'll see. They're making, they're making things at least a little bit interesting going on this bit of a winning streak here. Did you know what do you think about Kyle Hendricks? I mean, he was one of our trade speculation yeah. possibilities that is definitely off the table, I would think now. Yeah, and that's you know, with him going on the IL, and that was something we brought up at the time. I kind of put all all I think I put three or four different starters kind of in the same boat where you know, if I was ranking their their trade possibilities, just depends on who's healthy. And now Kyle Hendricks is not healthy. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of throws that off the table. I'm not sure that the Cubs were going to be interested in necessarily dealing him. I'm sure they would be for the right price, I guess, but right. Clearly that, that is not an option now. Stroman, I think is coming back on a rehab start. Uh, they have a few more, but you know, if you look at it, it's that's Hendricks is now the sixth starter that has gone on the IL. I mean, that, that is, that is where, that is where the Cubs at are at, which is very similar to my tigers, how they've lost, so many starting pitchers over the year and have had to go deep down in their system to bring up any arms they can to, to get through this season. So that explains partially why both teams are so far below 500 and not, not competitive this year, but yeah, just to kind of another, another kick to the dick with, you know, with Kyle, Kyle Hendricks getting hurt. I don't remember him being hurt very often in his career. I, I, I haven't looked this no. up. This is, so it's kind of, Kind of a new thing and kind of really bad timing in, in in some ways. So, but yes, that is all for my Cubs. I think we should get over to your Giants with a little gigantism. Next question. The next question because it was stupid. He hits it high. He hits it deep. It is out of here. Sorry. Papa's feeling pretty uh, delicious right now. Gonna step into the box, go three for four, eight RBIs, Gahim. Ooh, yeah. No good news, no good news over here. Uh, the the Tigers uh, split a series with the Giants. Uh, they had won uh, the final game of that whopping two-game series last week. And we were speculating. Uh, I had said kind of made a joke like, well, maybe, you know, maybe the Giants are just going to have trouble with AL Central opponents. Well, apparently Mm -hmm. there is some truth to that because the White Sox, uh, my White Sox came into town and 
kind of except for game one, pretty much manhandled the Giants in in a three game sweep, which made it their fourth loss in a row. To make matters worse, after the White Sox left town, they played the Diamondbacks, who extended that losing streak to six games. They salvaged uh, in a come from behind victory, a seven five win in the final game of that series, and then. What I uh, have been speculating is kind of the season-defining series for them now as they play the Padres in a four-game series that started last night. That started out with a 2-1 loss to the Padres, which makes them 2-8. and eight. The, the Giants are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They are Thanks. only one game above 500 at the moment. Their defense is super sus. <laughs> I mean, it's not good. That's something that they've been very good with over the years is, is solid defense. Yeah. And you can definitely see it against your White Sox, as we brought up last night in episode five, a Sox type thing. Yeah. I, I mean, they played one good defensive game, and that was the game the Sox squeaked out one nothing, where they robbed the White Sox hitters of multiple extra base hits. And then it just fell apart for <laughs> for the next two. And, um, you know, I, I I was optimistic when these, uh, D Scalafini came back, but now he's, he's gone for the year. His Mm. ankle is not in game shape. So he has been shelved. He will not return this season. He's on the 60 day DL, which caused the giants to do a, I, this I, I think this move is just to to fill to put an arm at AAA, but they gave the Guardian some cash for someone named T- Tobias Myers, who has a six ERA with a one seven seven WHIP over fourteen starts for the Guardians AAA Columbus Club. So is that like they? I don't think they. I don't think they they nabbed them to come and pitch up 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 at the big league club anytime. It's probably because they were bringing someone up for. D. Scalfini and and mm. and are just they need someone to start AAA, but they've just had these. I almost mentioned these moves in jest because they've had all these little like minor moves, which have all been somewhat comical and easy to miss unless you're actually <laughs> following Giants yeah. news. I mean, probably barely discussed on any unless you host a podcast that involves right. San Francisco Giants. Yeah, I mean, it's I probably you know it's not probably even barely covered by MLB network, to be <laughs> honest, but yeah, I mean, uh, this series to me against the Padres, if, if, if they don't win the series, even if they split the series, like, I think it's, I think you're turning into sellers probably outside of some epic run before the uh, all-star break. Well, considering what the competition in the division is doing, I mean, what did you say? How far back are they in third? Oh, now, now they're 11 and a half back, 11, 11 and a half back. So that's distant. <clears throat> I mean, you still have the wild card to deal with, but that's. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like. Like that extra wild card spot and how it will change how teams uh, approach things. Uh, like I wouldn't want my team to hold on to 
assets that might be in on their, you know, uh, in in at the end of their contracts or something in hopes to make that final wild card spot where the reality is. I know anything can happen in the playoffs, but the reality is with the talent level, it's not going to be a long run. And you're going to have to go play those first, that three game series on the road. Like, yeah, three, the format is, would be three games on the road, I think. Yeah. And last wild card. And while that could bode well, if the White Sox were to make the West wild card spots, way (laughs) way better away from home. Um, That's funny on a lot of levels. Yes, I know. Exactly. I agree. Um, But, you know, I think they just got to look the look look at it and say we shocked we shocked the baseball world last year didn't shock them enough for you and I to pick them as any sort of runaway candidates to win the AL the NL West again I mean I had them I have them in the last I had them in the last wild card spot so while that is still you know up for grabs I guess but there's mm-hmm. a, still half a season to play but like I was expecting that to be more of like they're in the last wild card spot because they're still like, you know, 15 games over 500, but the other two teams ahead of them are so good. Right. But now we're getting to the point where if the last wild card spots coming down to a team is just a few, which may or may not, we don't know, but if it was coming down to the giants playing like they are right now, then I'm not interested in them going to the playoffs. So or spending, spending or, any kind yeah. of capital to get there. I mean, I think I think the question and probably something you know we've been kind of teasing. We're going to get into this, but like you got you got Carlos Rodon on a two year contract who's been pitching mm. well. Oh boy, you could probably trade him to someone. Boy, yeah, I think I think we, next week we're, we're going to have to do it. like buyers or sellers. Maybe that's yeah. the segment we go through all our all our clubs and figure out what what the fuck's going on. I like that. So that's all I got for the Giants. It's wow. real, real sunny over here. Yeah, you sound really excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm not Wake excited. up over there. Let's go. I, Let's I, go. I wasn't excited to talk about the Giants this week at all. Well, at least you're honest about it. You don't have to be excited every week, I guess. No. Well, I have been so unexcited about talking about the team across the bay from your Giants, my fucking A's. I mean, he's the kind of guy who walks into a room, his dick has already been there for two minutes. Today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. Holy Toledo! I'm just saying, girlfriend is a six at best. Fucking A. barely brought them up over the last several weeks i wasn't sure we were covering them anymore (laughs) we can do whatever the fuck we want here we are (laughs) assholes and this is our podcast so whatever we want to do i do want to bring up uh since we are talking about trade capital frankie montas who might be the most valuable pitching asset on the trade market or was well i'll get to that uh as We've been talking about him since the beginning of the season coming up to the trade deadline, what, what his value would be. And it's only, his value has only gone up in, in terms of there's not much else out there in terms of front end starting pitchers, or at least, you know, number two or number three for a, a playoff bound team. But that 
that idea kind of hit the rocks a bit this week as Montas left his last start versus the Mariners with shoulder tightness. And that led to an MRI this week, which led to a slow release of the results of that. Uh, they had the MRI on, I think it was Monday, and I don't think word actually came out until Wednesday that it was a strain of sorts, but it was not the worst case scenario. He is not going on the IL. He will miss his next start, but he's officially day to day and they expect him to be, to be back soon, very soon. Um, so that is, I guess that is good news. Um, it's never good news to hear a pitcher having shoulder issues. Uh, that is, that can lead to long-term things that doctors cannot figure out. You know, we've, we've figured out the elbow essentially with the Tommy John surgery. That is, something that has a, an incredible recovery rate, success rate. Shoulder issues are something that pitchers uh, typically do not recover very well from eventually if, if it's major damage. Um, shoulders is just a, a complicated area of the body, I think is, is what it comes down to. And doctors have not mastered that. So I, I hate it anytime you hear about a, a shoulder issue with any pitcher, no matter what the severity, but at least it's a, a low, you know, a minor issue right now for Montas. He's not going to miss much time at all. So, we, so far, we, you know, A's fans will feel much better once we see him pitch another, another game. Because uh, really, that is all us A's fans have to look forward to is trading off more assets to rebuild this club from the ground up once again. So. I think uh, the timing is not great, but at least we're still early. We're still three weeks, four weeks almost from the trade deadline. So he has time to have a couple of good outings and put that resume out there for for the bidders to come after him. And I think there will be lots of bidders out there. And that, that's what the A's were hoping for as this market has kind of dried up. Uh, he would be the, the top asset that people would be going after. So as you get big hitters, big ball clubs like the Yankees or whoever else, um, in a bidding war for his services. That, that's what, that's what the A's are looking for. The only other thing I wanted to bring up with my A's is I oft, often mention my favorite player ever is Ricky Henderson uh, for many reasons is his incredible feats on the field is one of the most exciting players I've ever seen, but also the stories off the field, just the hilarious stuff like framing his uh, first paycheck of a million dollars instead of <laughs> cashing it and thus screwing up the, the uh, budget department at the A's, they weren't sure where that, why that check hadn't cleared. And it was kind of confusing them because it was on a wall in, in his condo or wherever it was. Uh, lots of stories of that, but there is a new book that just came out last month by uh, Howard Bryant, which you'd know him. He was uh, one of uh, you'd recognize him from Ken Burns baseball. He was in the 10th inning, uh, both halves of the 10th inning, I believe he talked a lot about Barry Bonds is the subject matter he was dealing with but uh he wrote a book about ricky just called ricky the legend legend in life of an american original and i just ordered that it is coming in the mail tomorrow so i will be uh reading that i'm a slow reader so i was gonna uh, uh promise a book report at some point on this podcast <laughs> but it might be a while before i before i get through all that but We'll see how that goes, but I'm really excited about this. It's funny because I've, I've been talking about this a few times, at least on this podcast. How I think there should be a movie or a documentary or something about about Ricky, and maybe this is the the book that people will could base a screenplay off of. I'm hoping so. 
I'll report back on that soon enough. All right. Did you want to talk about the 4th of July? Uh, we can. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there was an incident outside or actually inside of, uh, whatever it's called the Coliseum. I'll just call it if it's O.co or I forget what, whatever lane, whatever sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. The Oakland Coliseum on 4th of July, uh, four fans were hit by bullet fragments is how it was described. They weren't shot. They were struck by bullet fragments that was apparently <clears throat> coming from celebratory gunfire outside of the stadium, uh, which is a terrifying idea. Um, <laughs> just the idea of you're celebrating shooting your gun in the air, uh, somehow not understanding that those bullets do come down eventually. <laughs> they um, do, unless you're in the movies. Yeah, the thought process is just unbelievable. And then the, the terrifying thing is that it hit not one person it hit four people so i can't imagine what that what that scene was like so just a i don't know it's a, just a weird story a weird fourth of july of course you know there in chicago there was the mass shooting in highland park which i actually know four people that live within a half mile of where that occurred none of them were at the parade thank god but uh way too close to home this this shit is so crazy and the, the idea that you know people are just shooting guns even straight up in the air just because they're fired up about the fourth of july is unreal um we're not a political podcast or anything but we could go on diatribes again or for or against gun control it's not, not worth our time necessarily but unreal that this is this is the world we live in right now yeah embarrassing well, I think that probably leads well into our uh, flagship shit we couldn't make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a turkey cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. I just wanted to point out, I saw the stat today, that former Cub... Kyle Schwarber has reached 27 home runs this season already. Uh, clearly putting him on pace for over 50, 54, if you do the math, home runs. Uh, just another indictment of how the Cubs completely fucked that situation up. They fucked him up. They fucked with his head somehow. Uh, he is. He was uh, famously referred to by the uh, Cubs training staff or the Cubs uh scouting staff is babe fucking Ruth and they saw him at Indiana uh, just crushing balls and you're seeing that again as he's on pace for Ruthian numbers this year his his you know famous mentality was just see ball hit ball and that's when he was right. the most successful and through the Cubs decision making through launch angle ideas through myriad hitting coaches one per year for a time uh, they they completely fucked with his head and ruined his swing and where he didn't shouldn't have been thinking at all and he was thinking more than anyone and it just led to a, a you know started with a, a bang in 2015 with his home run onto the scoreboard in the uh, whatever the NL wild card round against the against the Cardinals but uh, of course the legendary World Series comeback after blowing out his knee at the beginning of the 2016 season. But then it just spiraled downward, downward from there. And it wasn't necessarily his fault, I don't think. I think it's pretty clear it was the Cubs issue. 
Now he is with Philadelphia, just crushing the ball once again. Uh, I'm super happy for him, but it would be cool if he was doing that in a Cubs uniform. So that's some shit I couldn't make up. I think we- that leads us over to <laughs> kind of a new a new version of shit we couldn't make up. Shit socks type thing forgot. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Mercy! Because we recorded, <laughs> we recorded Sox type thing last night. Uh, that was, it's a fun new new podcast devoted just to the White Sox. But there's an incident on the field that you forgot to mention that yeah. you definitely need to bring up at some point. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn is known for his uh, colorful antics on the mound is one way to say it he's uh you can often see him if you can't hear him uh reading his lips of as vulgarities stream from his mouth he might be the most vulgar player in in baseball today if not in history because yes he's an angry dude swearing a lot uh he was of course famous for uh john boy deciphering that he was uh, calling uh, an opposing batter a slapdick motherfucker. Yeah, which he which he fessed up to. He Did fessed he? up okay. to yeah. He I had fessed up to part. it and then said that I was he, disputing that. I was thinking he could have said slop deck motor finger, yes. which is my baseball team, fantasy baseball team name. So, but I he had fe- changed that. Yeah, he had fessed up to that last year when he said he considered that particular batter a slap hitter. Yeah, a bullshit slap hitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, so he doesn't like he doesn't like the slap hitters either. He's got no, he's got he's got, he's got his opinions, which is what makes him so fun to watch. But you know, he's he's had a he's had a slow start to his uh, comeback, mm. um, where he seems like really pretty solid through about five. But when you get into that sixth inning, it's becomes really questionable on how successful he's going to be. Um, so when he had a strikeout the other night, I think it was in the fifth inning against, against the first place twins in the AL central, he aggressively grabbed his crotch and did like a, a fist pump in the air, like a, like a grab the crotch and, Pull the, throw like, it in the air, yeah. yeah it's like he ripped his dick air. off and threw it into the stands. Like it, it I don't know was, what he was doing. It was great. I mean, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like how, wow. Like he, and he, it was like a hard grab. I mean, it was. There's no doubting it. I've, I, I, in fact, there was a moment where I, I, people on Twitter started posting it. I think you even posted it, and like I just couldn't turn away. I was just like <laughs> I couldn't believe the aggressive nature of the whole the lat you know what i was calling the dick grab k i mean the the best part is how he does it he always turns away from the batter when he's doing these things whether he's yelling screaming expletives or making obscene gestures he turns basically straight to center field yeah he turns to the center field camera pretty much well i don't think he's doing it for the camera necessarily it works out well for us to see this for everybody i think he's just trying not to you know scream right in the faces he's not trying to create an incident he's just that angry and that's how he expresses himself but it's it's perfect for us because he always just does it right in front of the camera center field camera so yeah thank you lance lynn don't don't change keep doing this crazy shit it's fucking hilarious it is hilarious yeah i think he does it so that he doesn't think he's not trying to show up the batter it's just his emotion so like let's not create a 
in, you know, a, a, a tickle fight on the field. Yeah, because... I wonder if he's, if he's run into issues with that previously in his career where he does that, but it's too, too close to facing, facing the batteries. He just struck out or whatever. And it creates an incident. So he's learned to spin the other way. Which yeah. Maybe works out well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, I had text Smitty like probably about 15 minutes after the show. I was like, Oh my God, we forgot to talk about this. So That's right. here we so go. We'll always have, we'll always have it as a backup for a socks type thing. If we forget something, we'll just throw it in, in the, in the hole as shit socks type thing forgot. Well, that leads to another newer segment that I like to throw out there from time to time. I'm calling mail fraud. Yes. It's called mail fraud. Mail fraud. When you control the mail, you control information. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. Where I steal ideas from other podcasts or things I've read, other uh, places. But this week I was listening to the Three O Show on the Athletic, part of their baseball baseball podcast network. I guess uh, they had a, they had an interesting idea and this this will this will play out obviously at the end of the season after the world series but they at this moment they wanted to make a bet with each other i think i think you and i can frame this as we're, you and i are going to bet here and I, but okay. i'll give you the i'll give you the option you can pick any three teams to win the world series or you can choose to give me those three picks and take the field take the other 27 teams ah. so this kind of this kind of forces you into you know you can obviously take the three best teams you know i think there's probably four or five great candidates out there so do you risk uh losing losing out on the the wildness of baseball as we've seen craziness like even the atlanta braves winning the world series as recently as last year despite being i think sub 500 at this point uh before they traded for an entirely new outfield and things just skyrocketed from there but what what is more appealing to you? Have your choice of three or to take the field? If we were going to make a bet, and we'll we'll figure out the terms of this bet as we go, maybe later in the season. Probably involves beer or uh, tickets to a ball game or something. But we'll figure that out. I, think, I I told you this last night, so I you had pl- plenty of time I, to think about it. I didn't understand it last night. I oh. understand <laughs> it now, so I'm going to take the field. The field. Okay, well, that gives me my choice of three teams. I thought you might take three teams. So what I was thinking would happen is you take, you know, the Astros, Yankees, and the Dodgers, but that would obviously mean you couldn't have your White Sox, as you predict, are going to win the World Series every year. But maybe you're not so confident at this point. Well, not every year. It was the Giant. <laughs> it was the Giants. I started predicting every year after they won three out of five okay. years, including beating the Tigers. So now you're going to predict 27 teams will win the World Series as opposed to the three I pick. Yeah, I, I trust in your 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 poor pickmanship. So <laughs> I have full faith in that. So go I right ahead. Think, I actually think you've got the better better side of this, but I will I'll play by my own rules and select. I've got, I mean I have to select the Yankees, don't I? They're one of the best teams. I think you actually you can the, do whatever you want. You could select Baltimore eh. if you like. They're only four games under 500 right now. <laughs> Give me some help here. Uh, I've got to go with the Astros. I think the Astros are actually hotter and projected for the second half to be even better than the the Yankees. They're uh, only nine and one in their last ten. Don't get too yeah. excited about them. And just 
for whatever reason, I hate it, but I gotta I gotta go with the Dodgers. Uh, they just have the resources and the and everything they need to to win the World Series. It's amazing they've only won one in this run they've had, and it was a sixty game season. So that's got that asterisk asterisk. Um, so th- yeah, those are going to be my three. So that leaves you, you know, teams like the Padres, uh, who, who would you be most excited about, uh, now that I've, I've chosen my three of the well, remaining teams. Well, you know, you, you look at this list and you, yeah, you, you wonder about the Padres cause they're, they're on the verge of becoming healthy and they're, they're, you know, 12 games over 500, not so healthy. So Mm-hmm. Um, well, we see that I'm excited about the Padres. We got the Mets. Let's not leave out the Mets. Don't forget the Mets. Yeah. I haven't uh, even they, mentioned they, them. They the should Mets, be, typically, they, they could be getting, uh, you know, a Jake, Jacob deGrom back and Max Scherzer's back. So like that, DeGrom that's a team is on the cusp of being back. He just threw, uh, in a single a game. I think he threw two innings and had five strikeouts. <laughs> just throwing it's not fair throw out a bunch of 19 year olds, yeah. 100, 100 plus miles an hour in every pitch, but that's the Gram. And then with the ebb and flow of, of this game of baseball, you've got teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, mm-hmm. you've got the Toronto Blue Jays, who could probably suddenly turn it on at any point. Yeah. Even though they've been kind of struggling, they've been up and down all season. That and lineup then, is impressive. And then, you know, you're still the Boston Red Sox, too. So I notice I've not mentioned one team in the AL Central. And that's because <laughs> you have not. One of the reasons is if the Minnesota Twins should make it, we know what will happen. They'll lose all three of their playoff games in the first round because most likely they'll be matched up with the Yankees somehow. That's what they do. They yeah, don't win in playoff games at all. I think they're zero and 18 in their yeah. last 18 playoff so games. I'd rather wow. see anyone else in that division, anyone else. Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas City, obviously the White Sox win that division to at least give us a playoff win per chance. Anyway, that's I I I like my chances because I like your chances too. I gotta say, baseball's fucking weird. I'm amazed too that two very injured players on the Yankees have not suffered any long-term injuries yet. And that's Staten and judge yep. now judge bet on himself. So it seems it's working right now. <laughs> it's working very Kinda. well right now. Working his uh, way into one of the biggest contracts in, in sports yeah. history, most likely. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So we'll see, but um yeah, I, I don't know. I like I like this bet. So we will have to now that you understand it. Yeah, that's much yeah. better. Yeah, now uh, we will now have to figure out what it is uh, that we put on the line. Mm, maybe that's the the a hole poll this week. What should we What should we be betting for? <laughs> Let the people decide. Let the people decide. You can find that the a hole poll officially at socks type thing on Twitter. Might look, be on the lookout for that, but. Well, you mentioned the Padres, and that actually brings me over to my favorite segment, anytime I can bring it up, aesthetics. Hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. 
It's fabulous. Logos, uniforms, everything going on with baseball. This week, of course, the San Diego Padres released their very loud City Connect uniforms. And I believe this is the last one of the year, right? It is. They've been doing eight per year, and there are now... That can't be right. Well, there's like 14 or something. There's got to be 14 left. Um, So it's. I think there's going to be eight, maybe seven next year and seven the year after that which Detroit needs to be in there at some point. I can't wait to see those and possibly load up on some new merchandise, but I was really looking forward to the Padres because I really love how they went back to the, the Brown and gold. I hated it when I was a kid, but when they re revitalized that look a couple of years ago, they did a really good job. They actually darkened the Brown quite a bit and really made the, made the uh, contrasting yellow just, stand out so well i think they did a great job with the swinging fryer logo all that so i was really looking forward to these city connect to see what they would do with that i don't think i was prepared for how bright these uniforms were i was almost blinded by the neon colors um they're in reference to the you know san diego the city of san diego again this is what this is embracing the community and the, the area they're from uh where it's clearly a, a surfing skateboarding community it is a street taco kind of place uh, right there on the border with Mexico. Uh, very fun, energetic, I think is, is what they're going for. In the introductory video, they even had Tony Hawk was the narrator. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, they reminded me of my 80s uh, heritage uh, as, a, as a skater kid uh, in the mid 80s uh, with the neon colors. Uh, yeah, these these are... These are uh, Uniforms that definitely make a statement. I'm not sure they're, uh, <laughs> they're quite the anything I would wear. Uh, maybe if I was a Padres fan, I would consider it, but I, I'm not sure I'd go for it. What, what did you think of the release of the Padres Nike City Connect uniforms? My initial reaction was, I'm so thankful I'm a White Sox fan for the Southside jerseys. Yeah, I forgot um, I saw that. And I get it. Again, I get it. It just, you know, I wouldn't wear it. Even I don't even know if I'd wear it if I was in San Diego. Maybe if I was born and raised there, I'd have a better connection to it, which is, again, what these things are about. But I think you'd have more of a surfer style than your uh, industrial hipster style that you currently have. I don't know what you call it, but um, I, think, I think we'd all be more into the surf thing. Uh, so it, it makes sense out there. The colors yeah. of it, though, I don't know if I'd ever, I don't know if I would be down for the colors of it. Yeah. But I understand the colors represent the Hispanic community there. That is, and it, surfing and skateboarding, all that, but it felt very 80s to me for whatever yeah. reason. Very MTV it, almost. Like well, 80s it, MTV. it reminded me of the movie Rad. <laughs> I love that movie, by the way. Well, there you go. You it it reminded you then. because the font they used to write out San Diego is similar to the Rad, Rad font. Exactly. The movie posters. Yeah. Kind of a like a classic. Uh, slasher script kind of font they use so but yeah the bright colors i I like the idea of i like that it's very different than all the other city connects i think it makes sense for the community at least um i'm i'm gonna we've got our our rating system uh with the middle fingers of course because that is part of our logo middle fingers a good thing in this context i've given the last few uh two middle fingers up i'm gonna give them one middle finger up 
but leave one middle finger down still. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't like I. I didn't even know how to. My only reaction was again, as I am with a lot of these city connect jerseys. Like I'm thankful overall for the city of Chicago is the way they did bo- both jerseys and eh, I mean that did a lot better than the North. Side, yeah, think, but, but still, like you know, you'd only give the Cubs maybe one finger up on 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 theirs, but yep. um. I give it one finger up. I mean, they laid, they at least have the fryer patch on it still, which is, mm-hmm. which is a good touch. Yeah. And, they change the colors on it. That's, that's super cool. I like that. And again, and now that I've, now that I, I just, I, I wish like with the brew crew and again, maybe it's just cause we're closer to it. So we understand more about Milwaukee, mm. but I understood that one right away when I saw yeah. it. That was like most that was, of it. Most of it. I understood there's some yeah. reaches. There's some reaches there as there is in all these, but a lot of the other jerseys I've literally had to go read about the Jersey yes. to understand what it meant. What's so, here. so I think that's a design failure yeah, immediately when it needs right. to be explained as a designer, I, I have failed. If, if, if I have to tell somebody what my logo means or what it says, right like the the funny part I I'll, I'll never forget about the Milwaukee one is that the gold represents the frothy the frothy beer or something like that. They had a like stripe that. on the are, sleeve where it was a yellow stripe on the bottom with a white stripe above it and that was supposed to be the beer with the head on top. Yeah, the beer with the head on it. Okay, wow. guys. We we were reaching here, but that that's yeah. that's the designer just having fun. That was a that was an ancillary element at least. It wasn't a core element that needed to be dis- deciphered, but so I think Nike is succeeding in that mm. people in those areas look at it it and go yeah right well like the space city ones in houston were like the biggest seller ever i think i I don't know if that's been surpassed anywhere subsequently yeah with milwaukee but but that may have been a bigger seller because it it got to me too like that one i understood right away Mm -hmm. so like again did that get a lot of sales outside of houston too like is that why it is the biggest seller because it was cool it's cool looking too so like they don't have to but it would be it would be great for <laughs> like even though I hated the Rockies one, I understood it. Like that one I got too. Mm, like yeah. I mean, it's to me it's better if someone puts on a uniform uh for a national team, even though it is called City Connect jersey. So I'm probably overthinking this. But it would be great if they they found the a way to transition that you know what i mean mm-hmm. to, to make it a little more obvious a little more not don't don't have to like throw it all out but you're you know but we all end up learning about them if we're interested in them like why that thing looks like that so <laughs> now that i've dragged you into this segment that now it's so much that you actually look forward to it now i think you you are gleefully uh, some, reading like, about these things and well ready the to city digest con- and dissect i do enjoy the city connect Mm. aesthetic for sure i'm not yeah. gonna lie i cannot tell a lie i i had a suggestion from a listener that i could actually have a second segment on aesthetics this week just about alex lang's uh dicky essentially the the turtleneck he wears yeah you noticed that last night for the well, tigers I, I only noticed it because you said he put that tweet that you can't Elo, you can't let a guy with a dicky beat you or something <laughs> like that, which I thought was hilarious. He posted a picture of Uncle Eddie. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- that's been explained. It's something he's just comfortable. Like he started wearing a turtleneck, but he has no sleeves. Like 
it's very it's bizarre. A, it's an odd look, but he, I guess he likes something around his neck. So, so there well, you go, Vit. We talked about Alex Lang's dicky. There you go. That sounds like a Trevor Bauer issue about to happen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yikes. Well, that wraps up our baseball <laughs> conversation for the week. Um, <laughs> I think uh, we want to talk about an event you're, you're going to this weekend. Is that oh, yeah. this weekend? Yeah, that is. It's tomorrow. So um, our good friends over at Revolution Brewing uh, have brought back Freedom Fest in this new sort of how we live with in the post-pandemic or how we manage the pandemic now. I guess to call it post-pandemic is I just probably post-apocalyptic uh, <laughs> negative utopia. Right. So uh, they have an event called Freedom Fest this weekend, which takes place at the Tap Room, which is located at 3340 North Kedzie. Um, and the name comes from their line of freedom beers, which are basically uh, a bunch of sour beers that they've created. You've mm. you've I think. Did you try the freedom? Uh, freedom of peach, peach that time when we had some of that yeah see i'm more of an ipa guy i mean right. obviously anti-heroes is one of my favorite beers of all time so my palate is kind of leaning away from sours but i could see why that would be a very popular kind of beer in the summer for sure yeah and it's it's supposed to be somewhat uh somewhat toasty some somewhat warm probably humid that- i mean it's been even though it's been like today, it's like 79, but there's just like a hundred percent humidity. That's how it so, is here. Yeah. The so dew point just, is through the roof. So uh, they have two sessions, one at one to four and one from six to nine located at three thirty four North Kedzie. It's called freedom fest. They'll be tapping a whopping 15 freedom variants. Wow. 10, 10 of those are specific to this, just a, this event, new freedom limeade, Freedom Strawberry Lemonade, and the one I am jacked up for, Malort Barrel Aged Freedom Lemonade. I cannot <laughs> wow. wait to try that. I cannot try, wait, wait, try that. that. Um, terrifying. Also, if you want, you can enter the uh, 2022 official mullet competition uh, <laughs> nice. because it's because it's business in the front and freedom in the back, baby. So <laughs> they hold the mullet competition normally at this event. Um, so awesome. uh, there'll be food trucks there. That is not included in the price of the ticket. Uh, Cafe Tola, Offset Barbecue, Mac Dynamite, and Happy Lobster. The ticket is $40 and includes a um, commemorative glass, a tasting glass, and, you know, the variants and... You've got that whole three hours in both of those sessions to sample as many beers and as many times as you want. So um, come on out. It should be a good time. I will be at the six to nine session as from one to three. I will be at a pool party for my son's birthday. So um, also just real quick. um, you can enjoy DJ sets too from Sugar Records and Bucket of Blood. Bucket of Blood will be DJing during my session, so I'm hopeful for some metal Olaf. So, uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, boy, that was a that was a hell of a commercial there. You did that oh, really thanks. well. Thanks, yeah. Well, I've been, uh, you know, when they uh, when uh, when I decided we when we decided we were going, like I've been reading up about this event, mm. so I'm pretty excited for it. I like I like. Um, I, I actually like the freedom of, of peach, um, freedom yeah, of speech. I 
I like that. I like the strawberry too. It's um, they're good beers, like to like kind of start the day out with before you move over to the to start the heavier the hitters. Top of the yeah. morning to you. With the and of speaking of, of of starting the morning, and I'll, we'll get into this next episode, but I'm gonna talk about brunch hero at our uh, our next show. So that's brunch a hero. new, yeah, that's a new. Um, IPA they've created a juicy IPA that is meant to be uh, meant to be enjoyed during bacon and eggs and and breakfast type of, of the day so that's what you're into I like it yeah so we'll talk about more about that but again it's this Saturday one to four six to nine 40 bucks over at the tap room at three three four zero <laughs> North Kenzie. I'm assuming you can go to RevBrewChicago.com yes. or yeah, you can, you, you can go, you can, yeah, you can go there and, and click, click a link to buy tickets. All right. All well, right. Hopefully, hopefully our, our friends over at Rev, RevBrew uh, enjoyed our commercial here. We're trying to do all we can to support them as they support this podcast with free beer. We love you guys. Thank you for that. I can't believe we're getting free beer for just two assholes talking baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We should just. Well, you know, that's, that's what we should have always named this podcast to yeah. talking baseball. I thought we kind of got there with major league <laughs> holes, but yeah, it's a little bit convoluted, but I think people figured it out quickly. I guess so. Uh, right. With that, let's wrap up this episode one Oh nine of in the hole. You can find this podcast and you'd like to find a podcast. You can find us on social media at major league a holes, as well as at socks type thing. You can find us on the web at socks type thing.com or major league holes.com should go to the exact same website so with that i'm going to declare this podcast is over peace peace yeah jesus fucking christ it's about time s-s-h-o-l-e everybody s-s-h-o-l-e and I'm proud of it.